You're listening to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast with Davina Frederick. Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm here today with Ernie Svensson, also known as Ernie the Attorney. Ernie is the founder of Law Firm Autopilot, a program that helps lawyers work less and earn more. He's also a speaker, author, and a fellow podcaster. So welcome, Ernie. I'm so happy to have you here today on the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this. So uh, tell me, uh, I, I, I'm a fan. I've been following you for a long time now. I love to listen to your podcast. Uh, so you. tell me, uh, give me a little bit of background, though, and talk to me about how your life as an attorney <laughs> And your career as an attorney before you got, before you created law firm Autopilot, sort of give me the story and, and, and lead us there. Yeah, sure. Um, yes, yeah, so I worked in a big law firm, you know, big friend William Sanders for about 20 years after graduating from law school and clerking for a federal judge for a couple of years. And I thought this was going to be the most amazing thing in the world. You know, I was, I'd, none of, nobody in my family had been a lawyer. And the idea of working in the 40th floor of a building with fancy resources and paralegals and secretaries. I mean, it was like I won the lottery. And it was in 1982 when I graduated. No, 80, yeah, 80, no, 85 is when I graduated. And, you know, things were blowing and going. Firms were hiring. They were paying top dollar. And so everything was great. Um, and I had a good time. But then, you know, once you start settling into the practice, you know, the shiny stuff didn't seem so shiny. And really, I, just, I don't know, I was messing around with technology. I liked computers. I thought they could be useful. And so it was kind of a hobby, but then I, the more I used them, the real, more I realized like this was a pathway to efficiency. And about the time I um, was starting to get dis- dismayed with how I practiced and if the practice felt bureaucratic, you know, big firm, high billable hour, high overhead, you know, people were nice, but it was just, you know, a lot more work to do things that I thought could be done simpler and more efficiently. And of course, when you look at how they could be done on the computer, that was a big contrast. And I started being paperless because a friend of mine showed me how to scan documents. And I just, then I thought for sure, now I won the lottery for sure. Cause I was like, wait a minute, I can do all this stuff faster, better, more reliably using a machine. And um, why wouldn't I do that? And so I tried to evangelize this within the firm, but nobody was really listening. Um, in fact, I mean, not everyone, but one person even told me like, why would we want to be more efficient? Then we can't charge our clients, you know, as much. And I thought that's a little cynical. And, but then around that time, clients were getting pickier about their bills. And I thought, well, clients want efficiency. Clients use technology. Maybe I could leave the firm and do this on my own, but I was afraid because I didn't know how to market. But, um, but then I had started a weblog in 2002 that started getting a lot of attention and people were seeking me out and trying to hire me. I was like, wait a minute, this technology stuff is even better than I imagined. So I went out on my own, started my own practice. I was afraid, you know, because I wasn't sure it was all going to work, but it did. And I was much happier. And then I started showing a few friends how I did it because they were like, wait, how do you do this? And then it was a few more people and it was a dozen people and I was invited to speak around the country and it just became a full-time job, which is what I do now. Wow, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Tell me what area you were practicing in when you went out on your own, what you'd been doing. Yeah, I was doing commercial. Did you do the same thing? Yeah, you know, not totally. I mean, I was doing commercial litigation 
And, you know, that could run the gamut in the big firm from antitrust cases, which is not the kind of thing you can handle by yourself. But if it was anything, you know, it used to be the barrier was too many documents was a case you couldn't handle by yourself. But once I learned how to be paperless, I didn't need any paralegals and I actually could do a better job once I had the systems in place and the tools to manage those documents myself. So I actually did a better job for lower cost, um, enjoyed it more. And, you know, as long as it was a case I could handle by myself or partner up with somebody to do, which I did, you know, and then that was great because I'd pick people based on whoever was the best attorney to handle that kind of case instead of like, well, I have to use somebody that's in the building who's available, but not necessarily the, the one I want to work with the most. So everything about my practice got better when I yeah. went on my own. Yeah. yeah. I, I understand that. Uh, <laughs> um, have you always been a, a techie? I mean, are you a tech, are you a tech guy? Have you always kind of been that way or was this something that, that kind of came with time or what? You know, it's funny. I don't, I didn't think of myself as a techie and and I just came back from this conference, which was for entrepreneurs. And the guy began by explaining, well, you know, we're all entrepreneurs. So I was like, no, I'm not really an entrepreneur. But then I realized the definition of an entrepreneur, that's what I am. Like there are people, you know, the end of the spectrum is bureaucrats. And then there's the other end is entrepreneurs. Bureaucrats are like, yeah, let's just keep doing it the same way. Nine to five. Don't ask any questions. At the other end are people who are saying, you know, I think there's a better way to do this and maybe I'll do it myself. Maybe I'll build it. And I think that's what I am. I think technology was just a vehicle through which I expressed that desire to learn how to do things better. I didn't say no to it. I was willing to experiment with it, but that's true of other things in my life. And I don't consider myself inherently obsessed with technology the way other people that I admire are. I learn from them because they are inherently obsessed about it. I'm not. I just want to know how to do things better, faster, and more reliably in technology if you use it right. And that's, you know, underscore, use it right, allows you to do that. Would you consider yourself to be an innovator? Because that's kind of the word that comes to mind for me, the way you described it, is I think entrepreneurs kind of are, you know, if they're, if they're true entrepreneurs, they're, they're always looking for ways to innovate and do things, mm-hmm. you know, in a, in a different, maybe more efficient way, like what mm-hmm. you talk about, or a way to get, especially if you're, if it's just you, you're always looking for ways you can get more done in less time you know, so that you have more available creative resources and stuff like that, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, innovation is definitely the thing that I focus on. And I guess it's just, you know, I don't know why that's that matters to me, but it does. And I guess the people who've had the biggest impact in my life, you know, as far as mentoring were people who helped me see that that was a thing you could do because in school I was not I was not a good student in school I did not like school because that to me was the ultimate bureaucratic you know hornet's nest it was just like do it this way don't ask questions and I just didn't like doing things without knowing why they would be beneficial and math was particularly problematic for me because it's just a bunch of formulas and do this and don't you know worry about it but then when I got to high school and I took physics and there was an interesting problem and I said, Oh, okay, well you could use math for an interesting problem. Then I became interested and rapidly taught myself all the stuff that I was supposedly learning mm-hmm. years before, but didn't learn. So I can learn things quickly if I care, but I don't care about things just because they're what I'm supposed to care about. 
Right, right. So you're a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess I, other people have certainly pegged me as that. So yes. <laughs> oh, have they? <laughs> yeah, not not in an open, you know, violent, you know, Che Guevara kind of way, but a quiet, passive, aggressive way, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't do things just because somebody else makes the rules and says these are the rules you have to no. follow. No. Um, so tell me about uh, how you came. You, you said you came to doing. Uh, a law firm autopilot. Well, there's a couple things. One, you came to, you came to doing it because people were just started asking you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing these cool things over here. What are you doing? But then also you said that you started out blogging and you actually started doing that while you were working for the firm still. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're, you're, you're an early blogger. You're a pioneer in blogging, really. So you've been doing it for how long? Uh, since 2002, March of 2002. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was supposedly the fifth lawyer blogger out there. Oh, wow. So tell me the kinds of things. What, what sparked you to do a blog? And, and, and tell me the kinds of things that you talked about and, and what came out of that for you? Well, I, I started blogging because I had been learning about technology and becoming paperless. And there was a fellow uh, who was a lawyer who was in a, a, a group of, you know, an online discussion group. He came to New Orleans and, you know, he was, he had a tool, a text automation tool that I was using. And he said, oh, you know, let's go, let's go out and meet each other and go to dinner or whatever. And we did. And he showed me this thing called a blog. And I was like, what is this? This is crazy. And we went to a restaurant in New Orleans that, you know, was a very old school family restaurant. They only took cash. They took them. It was just not the kind of restaurant that I would have ever in my life imagined at that point would have had a website. And he, in his blog post about his visit to New Orleans, he linked to this restaurant. I was like, wait a minute, if Sid Mars has a website, then I need to start checking out this website stuff more. And the blog software was an easy way to do it because it eliminated the need to go get hosting and all this complexity that previously, um, you know, was a barrier to entry for having a website. So I said, okay, I can try this for, you know, 30 days for free, fine, I'll try it. And I did, and I called it Ernie the Attorney because it was a magistrate who had been a mentor to me who had passed away at a young age, and she used to call me Ernie the Attorney, and I just thought, okay, whatever, I'll just call it that. That reminds me of Michelle Wynn. And weirdly, that became a, you know, a marketing genius move, right? It was like the Mr. Magoo school of marketing, like right. completely blind, dumb luck, and, but it attracted the attention of all kinds of people, eventually even the ABA, you know, people invited me to speak. And, you know, down the road, people were trying to hire me because they liked me. You know, that was the weirdest thing was like the realization that all this marketing stuff that you were supposed to do, um, which I just assumed, you know, I didn't want to do it. I didn't understand it. It seemed like too much trouble to me to go to a bunch of networking events and meet a bunch of people and hope that, you know, 1% of them would send you business. All of a sudden I could speak to the world and people were like begging me to take them on as clients. I was like, wow, this is crazy. And uh, $40 a year, you know, this is, yeah. this is wonderful. So yeah. yeah. Positioning yourself as an expert is so powerful and, and doing things to increase your, your visibility. And now, now in the social media world, it's more important than ever. And I, I worked for an agency in the nineties and we were developing websites for people. And that was a very new thing. And it, and it was just, it was, you know, people couldn't understand what is this website thing? I've got to have, and then after a while, everybody's like, well, I got to have a website because they have a website. 
And then before you know it, everybody was doing websites and stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's been so fun to watch the evolution of websites to blogs and the more interactive features and social media and how all that drives that. But one of the most powerful tools is still email marketing. And I know that's something you're an advocate of. I am too. I talk to my clients about email marketing all the time. And I'm like, just, you have this existing list of people out there who've done work with you. Why are you not continuing to communicate with them and no. remind them that you're out there for, and one of the things that was very powerful for me, I was listening to one of your podcast episodes and you were talking with an attorney friend of yours. I don't know if it had been a client or if it was a colleague and you were, and you said that he told you he didn't buy into the whole newsletter thing at first. Right. Right. Do you know which yeah. one I bet you I'm talking yeah, yeah. about? Yeah. What did, yeah. He say, what did he say? Well, so it was, so it was, I had a, I discovered email marketing because I was sending out my blog posts automatedly through, you know, some mm -hmm. thing that gathered the RSS and, and I thought, well, that's, you know, that's great. I'm done. You know, this is easy. I've automated this. And, but then I started realizing there were people who were actually writing emails and, you know, being more thoughtful and saying, you know, maybe linking to their blog posts, but not just dumping their blog posts into an email. And when I started doing this, all of a sudden my list grew and I was like, this is, and people were contacting more. I was like, oh, okay, this is, because see, I didn't, I had never studied marketing. So then it was around this point I realized like, wait a minute, maybe I better go back to the drawing board and just act like I'm a complete newbie and not assume I know things, you know, and see what i and find out. And email marketing was like the number one low cost, most powerful way. And especially if you're talking about emailing people that already know you, like you and trust uh -huh. you. So in other words, referral marketing by sending emails, which was super easy and powerful. So I told my friend what I was doing. And, you know, he was the fellow that we, we started the company together to do CLE programs and things. And so he was open-minded and I figured, you know, I'll just tell him and he'll get it. And he's like, nah, I, that seems like it wouldn't work. I'm like, no, Dane, trust me, this works. And he said, well, I don't know. I, I'm kind of lazy. I don't even want to write an email. And I said, well, just take your blog posts that you write four of a month and just, you know, link to them. And he goes, you think that'll work? I'm like, trust me, it'll work. And he did it. And then we had lunch a couple of weeks later, you know, maybe a couple of months later. And I said, so Dane, how's that going? And he goes, oh my God, it's the most amazing thing in the world. He goes, I send the email on Friday by Monday, I've gotten a bunch of new cases. And so it became a joke. Every time we go to lunch, I'd needle him about it. I'd say, so how's it work? And he'd go, okay, 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 enough already. <laughs> and one day we recorded a video. And that was when I realized, like, this is the low-cost, powerful way to market. Websites are good too, but they, they take, require more effort and people have trouble wrapping their head around it. Everybody's used to sending emails. Mm -hmm. So that now well, is my evangelical thing. Yeah. Also, also with websites, so you, you websites don't work if you just create them and sit them out. You have to drive traffic to them, right? You know, right. you have to drive traffic to them. Whereas with an email, there it is. It's right there in their inbox. And yeah. even today, you talk to internet marketers, they'll still tell you it is the number one way that they get new business and new clients. Even though I know a lot of attorneys are skeptical because I know they say to me, I'm sure they say to you the same thing. Well, I get so many emails in my box and I don't read them all and I don't see them right. all. But, you know, so I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm spamming people. That's right. what I hear a lot. I'm like, no, right. no, 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 you don't understand. Right. If somebody is looking for the kind of services you offer, you just want to be in front of their face every day. So when they hit that point where they go, oh, wow, so, you know, I have this need, I know who I'll call because it's just like, it's like if you went to your, 
weekly BNI meeting with them. Your, right. your weekly meeting. So except yeah. for you don't have to get all dressed up and drive a couple hours and, you know, <laughs> spend all right, that totally. time and take breakfast and be there every week. You're just sending that email out. So it's an right. awesome, awesome way to use technology. Tell me some of your other favorite uh, technology tools that you that you really like that are yeah. you're a big fan of for lawyers. Yeah, so I'm a, so the, I think there's a lot of options out there and I guess after, you know, over a dozen years of helping lots of different kinds of lawyers with different kinds of practices all over the place, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what are like the core essential things that I can confidently recommend and have the most number of people get a benefit from because that's, you know, that's I can serve more people that way. So I think about this a lot. And at first I used to give out shiny object things like, oh, this is low hanging fruit. You know, you can really get a quick win with this. And then I realized like there's an inverse relationship between quick win, easy to implement and impactful. And so it, not that it has to be hard, but like I think that automating your scheduling is something that every lawyer needs to do. And I know uh -huh. you use Acuity because that's how we schedule this. Right. And, you know, those things weren't out there 10 years ago maybe, but now you can, you can use these tools, Acuity, Calendly, Schedule Lunch, whichever one you want to use. I use Acuity, you know, you use Acuity. And Acuity is great. And so now you're not going back and forth with scheduling stuff. That's automating your scheduling. And, you know, it takes a little while to wrap your head around how it's exactly going to benefit you. But it is one of those things that I can guarantee every single person who uses it is going to have this major epiphany like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing in the world. And they'll ne you would never go back to scheduling the <laughs> old way once you've used this method. Yeah, you don't go it back does, and forth with emails going, yeah. when are you available? No, I'm not available then. Where are you available? What am I not available? But, you know, attorneys have so much fear around that because they have this idea that everybody's just going to wreak havoc on their schedule. Right. And that's what I mean by wrapping your head around it. And this is where, you know, I think I, I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to coax attorneys across that, you know, negativity barrier that they have for trying new things. And I mean, basically that's, you know, my secret weapon is I'll try anything, you know, just to mm -hmm. see if it works. Right. And if it doesn't work, I discard it. But a lot of people have this weird feeling like you're committing your entire life if you try something. And, you know, if you try something like this for 30 days, you're not going to go back to doing it the old way. It's just like mm -hmm. when people used to say about paperless, like, why should I be paperless? I'm like, trust me, when you get rid of the paper that's driving you back or holding you back, you're, no one has ever said, oh my God, I've achieved paperless. But you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm going to go back to that old way of being inefficient. It's just, there's certain kinds of efficiency that people don't go the other direction. Like, you know, horses and carriages were great. But once cars came around, you don't see people saying, you know, I'm going to go back to that horse and carriage thing. It was just so, so idyllic. Yeah. Can you imagine like on, on the interstates, <laughs> you are yeah. driving down the road, you're, you know, you really are, are ahead of the curve in, in embracing technology. And now you're starting to see, I know I'm in some, a lot of women's lawyers groups, lawyers groups. I'm sure you are too on social media mm -hmm. where you're starting to see a lot of, younger lawyers and by younger, I mean, you know, I'm 55, so I'm almost 55. So, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. people in their thirties and forties who are really embracing just this whole concept of virtual practice mm -hmm. and ways to work remotely. And I remember when I uh, decided that I was going to work 
remotely and I was not going to have an office where I met clients, I had an attorney say to me, I had several different attorneys say several things, but I had an attorney that said to me, oh, your clients are not going to like that. Your clients Mm -hmm. are not going to like you not having this office. Now, his agenda was he was trying to get me to rent out at a very high price an office in his building that he had bought. Um, so I knew what his agenda was, <laughs> but you know, it puts that, plants that little seed of fear in you and you're, you're already, you know, experimenting and trying something, but it's amazing how many attorneys you see now doing this and, and it's really working, right? right? right. Yeah, no, totally. And I, I, I had people tell me kind of the same thing as well, but the thing about, you know, human nature is really the thing that you one needs to take stock of because, and this is where I really had to step back and realize like if I wanted to help people, I needed to realize what was holding them back. And it wasn't, you know, uh, that they didn't understand the technology that that was part of it, but it was fear of change, you know, a whole bunch of things that kick in that are just hardwired into us. And, you know, people, when you tell people you're going to try something new, it threatens them. This is another thing I've discovered. Even if they aren't going to have to participate in it, that's the level of fear that we have hardwired into our limbic system about change. And so, you know, I, I think that's a, you know, it's a valid point to say, you know, you might find that clients don't want to engage with you that way, but how do you really know that? See, the problem, every, the thing that holds us all back the most is assumptions about how other people think. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in marketing, this is like the number, you know, I'm sure you know this. Like when I discovered marketing, I was like, okay, well, okay, we're trying to communicate a message to somebody and we figure out what they want to hear and we tell them in a way that resonates with them. And then they understand it. You go to people and you tell them, yeah, so we're going to try this. And they go, well, that wouldn't work because that won't work on me. And I'm like, you're not the person we're trying to reach. Right, right, you know? right. Like, right. You, you know, you, you have to figure out what your clients, how, how do they see the world? Yeah. You know, and you should know this anyway as a lawyer. You should, we should all know this. Figure out how other people see the world and our lives will be much more effective. But if you walk around assuming that how you think is how other people think, then, you know, you're going to have more trouble. Right, right. And, you know, I, I know that uh, now, obviously, this is a broad generalization, but, you know, attorneys, we, th- we think a certain way and, mm-hmm. and what we can apply, we can apply those kinds of thoughts to cases and clients when we're trying, we're looking at all the sides and we're doing the research and we're saying, well, let's try this strategy or let's try that method or let's give this advice. Let's see, let's push the envelope and see what we can do. But when it comes to our businesses, oftentimes we see just a lot of, of fear holding us back and yep. we don't, and it's like we take that, that open-minded, research-minded brain and we just put it on a shelf someplace that we go, oh, I can't, you know, I see this one thing and I go, oh no, I can't do that. As opposed to, well, right. let's go dig into this and, right. and learn more about it and give it a try and see what happens, you know, right. and everything. And, it, and I think it's just because, you know, people—it's uh, judgment. You know, people fear yeah. that they're being on that leading edge, and what people are going to say about them, and what if they're wrong? We can't right. be wrong. <laughs> you right. know, well, what if we just make an argument for it? How about I know, that? But I, and, but I also think it's just like the limbic system, like hardwired into our brain. The reason there's a logical survival reason for mm-hmm. being afraid of change. Like you know, if yeah. you try too many new things, you can kill yourself. So, but that's 
you know, you're not going to kill yourself with technology. And yet the limbic system has that kind of thing that just drives us that way. And I found, for example, one of the things that I find really interesting to lawyers is that we go to law school for three years, we're browbeaten, badgered, and, you know, bullied by professors who tell us, you know, never make any assumptions, think different, think outside the box, question everything, question everything, question everything. Okay, what, what do we do? The first thing we get out of law school is, hey, you got a form for that? Oh, it's been around since the time of Oliver Cromwell? Sure, I'll just copy and paste it without <laughs> thinking, right? Because it's easy. Forms. <laughs> yeah, and it's easy. And like, so we go right into thinking inside the box and not questioning any, anything. And that gets you into trouble. But we keep doing it not because we're bad lawyers or because lawyers are different. It's because lawyers are like everybody else. It means right. like, you know, you can't beat out of humans through three years of law school training, the strong tendency to want to do things the way everyone else is doing them and the way that they've been done always, forever. In fact, I'd, I'd add to that being an attorney, there's even more, you're, you're afraid of doing things because you have a feeling that, you know, this is the way it's always been done and there's a long history of doing it this way. And if I, and if I do something, then there could be consequence. I mean, we're very yeah. aware of consequence yeah. because of what we do. And I mean, it, it's one of those jobs where you feel like, I know my first couple of years of practicing, I was always like afraid I was just going to have to give that bar card back at mm. any moment. You know, I was going to make some big misstep and, right. and have to, you know, turn in my bar card and <laughs> just be yeah. done with it. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a stressful kind of uh, job to begin with. And then you mm -hmm. add to that, that layer of running your own business, which is, you know, really nerve wracking being an entrepreneur and running your own business. It really gets more complicated, you know, for people in their minds. And, yeah. I, and it's a, you know, for it's sure. a terrifying, it can be a terrifying thing for people, you know, ah, but we're so fortunate to live in a time when we have so many great technological tools available to us to allow us to have more time and money freedom than ever, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. Tell me some of your other favorites. I know you and I have talked about, we talked about text expander. There's something yep. else I, yep. I learned from actually listening to your show about text expander. Tell me about that. Yeah. So that's another one that's hard for people to wrap their head around because, you know, the analogy is it's a macro tool, right? Like it, people are familiar with that, like in Word or WordPerfect, you have a macro and usually it's a keyboard combination and then something happens, it's automatic and amazing. And, but the problem with that is, you know, that macro or that, that automation will only work inside of one program. What if there was a tool that would allow you to create macros, text expansion, forms, whatever, and have that happen anywhere? That would be better because then you'd only have to learn it once. It would work everywhere. And there's all kinds of cool things that can happen. Um, you kind of have to see it done and see all the possibilities. And I've just learned that, you know, lawyers have trouble wrapping their head around it. But the ones who do and the ones who start using it, it becomes another one of those things. And this for me is the acid test. Like when you learn how to use this thing, would you go back to not using it? And the answer is no. Any lawyer, once they get over that hump, they're like, oh my God, no, I can't use a computer with that text expander. And it's simple little things like, for example, if I need to type my email address, my little uh, characters that I type, if it's my personal email address, I would type at symbol ES, I'd hit the space bar, and then it automatically expands out to Ernie at ErnestFenson.com. 
if I need to type the one for law firm autopilot, it's at LFA and then it goes Ernie at law firm autopilot.com. If I do this, I will never make a, I'll never have a typo in any of these email addresses. So I'll never have somebody tell me, wait, you know, your email address didn't work. I'm going to have a typo if I try to type it myself every time. Mm -hmm. It's annoying. It's drudgery. Um, so you're automating what would be drudgery and making it happen faster, more reliably. And that's, you know, an email address. You can have it create, and I used to do this. When I was in my solo practice, my clients would come in and I used to dread having to send them the engagement letter because it's like, I had to go fish this engagement letter out and I got to send it to them, attach it. It's big production, right? Um, no, I just type, you know, new client. And all of a sudden it would spit out this thing and then I would put in the name of the client because it would, you know, it has this level of sophistication. You put in the name of the client, put in the defendant, the matter, decide how much you want to charge, put that in there, put in the retainer amount, put in the paralegal amount, and it just spits out this multi-page document in seconds. And that gives you joy, not, you know, (laughs) you don't feel burdened, you feel joy. Like, oh my God, I accomplished a lot. And then that client feels like you gave them this really sophisticated document really quickly. And that's the power of automation, right? And lawyers are creating text all the time. That's pretty much all we do. We do right. And so why not automate as much of that as possible? Right, right. That's awesome. Well, tell me what you, what kind of technology that you are, because I know you're always learning something new. What is something you're playing with right now that's new to you that you're trying to learn more about? Um, the thing I'm trying to learn more about is something really arcane. So that, you know, I went to this conference in Nashville that's, you know, by this company called ClickFunnels and it was all about funnel hacking. What's interesting to me is there were a couple of lawyers there who were using it for their practice and one fellow, um, Sam Molay, uh, who's it, um, he does business type work in Los Angeles and he was being honored for being the, you know, a you know, one of the people who made a million dollars in the past year in their business using this tool and it's a marketing tool and it basically allows you to, t- you know, if you didn't have a website, you could use ClickFunnels as your website. But even if you have a website and you want to market and you start doing any kind of online marketing, you know, there's the thing of, okay, let's offer a free guidebook or something and then they opt in my email list. But if they opt in, if I have something to sell them, um, I could sell it to them. And there are lawyers now out there who are creating online courses. There's a lawyer named Joey Vitali who's in the Maximum Lawyer Group, who's super cool. And, he, and, if, and you know, I, so I hold those folks up as examples of how to take an element of your practice where you are repeatedly explaining to people, for example, something in the case of Joey Vitali, he's a trademark lawyer. And so he has to go through this whole song and dance with a new client about why you should have a trademark for your business. And he's given this explanation thousands of times. Well, now he's put it into a course. And in the course, you pay for it. It costs, let's say, $4.95, I think, is is a number. Then you get all these videos, which are high production value. He's explaining it. He's taken a lot of extra effort. He probably This is the best explanation he's ever given because he's realizing he's going to monetize it. And then he can he says, if you buy this course and you want me to do it for you, which, you know, you can, I showed you how to do it, but if you want me to do it for you, I'll apply the price of the course against what you would pay me to do it. So, you know, what a wonderful thing. Like if you want to try to do it on your own, great. You save money. But if you want me to do it, I won't 
penalize you for having bought the course. I'll just build it in. And now he doesn't have to explain to those people all that stuff he'd have to explain to them anyway. So that right. part I find really fascinating that that's taking place in the practice of law and that more lawyers are using it. Yeah, I, I, that is really fascinating. That is one thing where um, I talk with my clients about leverage and looking for ways, you know, it's easy for us as internet marketer, you know, like people who are coaching and teaching and stuff like that. There's already so many existing models out there of how we can create courses and how we can take our knowledge and information online. But I think that for attorneys, there's always this sort of question of, you know, how am I, how can I take what I know and put it out there and still be within ethical guidelines and, you know, do all of that. So to see some examples like Joey Vitale, I know who you're talking about. I've looked, mm-hmm. his, looked up his you know, stuff and to see that there are people out there who are doing it and they're doing it in a way where they're not having to uh, create another career for themselves. They can still be attorneys, right. Right. still be lawyers, but also finding other ways to service their clients and leverage what they know, get their time back, you know, and increase their, their wealth. Yeah, you know? totally. And it's, and it's kind of interesting because, you know, when like LegalZoom came in and Avo and, you know, then the bar associations got all up in arms about, oh my God, these people are practicing law without a license or enabling people. But Okay. But the problem with that is it, that's bureaucratic thinking. That's like, this is, it's been done this way. We can't change it instead of, well, let's see, let's pick it apart. Let's think about how we can make this work for, for us, right? Like, and the lawyers who thought like that are Joey Vitale, Sam Malay, and what happens as a result of this? They personally control the relationship that they have with their client directly, which is what the Bar Association said they wanted, you know, LegalZoom or Avo to do. Like, don't, don't do that referral thing where, you know, oh, okay, so here they are, they're doing that, right? And they're providing more people, better service, explaining to them better, which of course is always a perennial problem for lawyers. Everybody's happy. Like, why aren't more lawyers doing this? It, you know, it's, it's not so easy. I get that. You know, like there are ethical constraints, right? But it, it's not impossible. Right, it's right. Possible. Well, especially when you consider how many lawyers are still doing free or low cost consultations, you know, you, right. you could be, you do your consultation in a in a course mm-hmm. and and there you go and then then right. by the time somebody's gone through that they just click the I want to hire you button you right. know and how exactly. easy, how easy is that right so yep. I love that I love that example that's great um you have you have a conference coming up mm-hmm. soon yep. tell me about that yeah so uh, this is a conference um, when I mentioned earlier my friend Dane when we wanted to, you know, we love technology and we decided we wanted something like that to be in New Orleans because people in New Orleans weren't going to tech show. So we started creating our own conference and it started with, you know, learning how to get approval to do CLE and it grew and it grew and, you know, went from half day to one day to two day. So for the, the past 10 years, I guess, I've been doing this two day conference. It's called Small Firm Bootcamp, which is completely unimaginative. If I were going to rename it, I would call it something like, you know, Legal Hackathon or Hack Your Practice or something. But, you know, it's basically an opportunity to be in a room for two days with the best speakers, consultant people that I know, not all of them, but, you know, the ones that I know from having gotten to know who really cares about helping people more than making money and who will 
help you know help people the most. So if I when I put all those people into one room and then put lawyers who need their practices to be improved, magic happens. And you know, last time we did it, it was seventy people, and it was amazing. That was two years ago because we I took a year off to you know work on this online stuff. But we're doing it again. This time it's for 150 people. It's going to be bigger, more exciting. We got more sponsors. Sponsors are carefully vetted. I don't allow anybody. I invite the sponsors. I don't, the sponsors are not there to, to fund this event. They're here to help provide valuable information and to network. And they're good people too. So, cause I don't like events where they keep the sponsors like in a petting zoo and you know, you, you can't go see them uh, except over there. So I, so it's, it's just one big community and I'm, I'm trying to incubate a community online, but I also see that you have to have, you know, people meet each other or that's better. So the folks in my online programs are coming and, um, yeah, it's just going to be a blast. We're going to have fun. Yeah, so who wouldn't want to go to New Orleans in, what, May? Is that what it is? Yeah, it's in May. early May, May 7th and 8th, uh, which yeah. is a Thursday, Friday. And we have a really great hotel. We, we changed the hotel that we used to do it at. The other one was, you know, nice and everything, but it had a higher room rate. This one has a room rate that's more in line with the kind of folks I'm trying to help, which is it's $129 a night, but it's a super nice um, place. And breakfast is included. Lunch is included. Uh, we have a, a cocktail reception that's included, and so it's there's a lot of value. It's eight hundred fifty dollars at the current price of the early bird price. I mean, you you can barely get CLE credit, you know, for that that price. And we are providing CLE credit as well. So oh, wow. twelve hours of CLE credit, you know, meet a lot of people, have fun in New Orleans yeah. where there's good food, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time of year to do that too. Yeah, um, that sounds wonderful. So tell me what what you what exciting thing do you have planned for your future at law firm autopilot? Well, that's, you know, that's it. Like I'm trying to be a community builder. I, um, I think the maximum lawyer guys are doing that and that's great. And I think that that role used to be exclusively the bar association role. And I, and there are great bar associations that help people, but you, an individual or a group of people who want to create a community can do that pretty fast and in some ways more effectively. My focus is on the technology part and marketing, online marketing. Mm -hmm. And I just want to bring people together so that they can all help each other because I don't know everything. I mean, I know mm -hmm. I have instincts. You know, I know who are the good people and what are the likely good options. And I can provide strategic guidance and in some cases, you know, more specific guidance. But I feel like my best role is to take the people I've gotten to know and put them together and, and they are happy to do it. It's not like a, they feel burdened. They're like, Oh, that's great. Cause those are, that's how they are. Those are the best people. The ones who are like, yeah, you're doing something to help people. I want to help people too. And we all just help people, but not everybody's like that. And that's my, yeah. that's the thing that I look at. And I think this need there needs to be more of this and less of that thing where it's just transactional and opportunistic. And you know, that's big conferences are fine, you know, to some extent, but, Again, I I've, I looked at the way conferences were done, and I thought, I don't know. I feel like they could be done better, and that that's right, what I'm trying to do. Right? Yeah, big conferences too. You know, oftentimes you you go with hopes to some of the larger conferences, thinking, oh, I'm going to get to really know some people and have conversations. And you might have conversations with few people here and there, mm -hmm. but it can also be so big and overwhelming where you just basically are gathering information. Right. You wind up with right. your bag full of stuff, and then you go home and 
and sort it out and see what have I got here as opposed to really making those connections and getting to know people. I think it's always good when we can get attorneys together to talk about law firm owners, to talk about the business of law and not just about, um, you know, the, the legal, there's so many resources out there for attorneys to get better at their practice and get better at knowing the law in their area and really develop that deep knowledge. And, and that's critically important, you know, to do that as well, but it can be the path of least resistance for a lot of attorneys to just focus on that. And if you, if you have started your own business, you've decided, you've made a decision then to not only be an attorney, but to also be a business owner and an entrepreneur. And that requires a different, a different, community sometimes yeah. to help you right because right? you need to work on your business it's the old it's the old thing from the e-myth you know you need to work on yeah. your business to grow it and so the trick about working on your business is that when are, there are all these daily distractions and competing um you know priorities it gets really hard to work on your business but when you can go to a place and spend two days at a conference with other lawyers who are all there with that same mindset of they're working on their business. Uh-huh. That's when the magic is happening because you're all there helping each other in that way. And, you know, it frees you from the distractions. It, it gives you, it gives you confidence. It gives you uh, just all kinds of really great things happen when you come, you know, to those kind of conferences. And I will say one last thing about my particular one. This is one of those things that when I first did this, People told me, this is crazy. Don't do that. And I was a little afraid, but I did it. And it was, I told people, look, if you sign up and you can't come for any reason later on because something happens, whatever, you know, you don't even have to tell me the reason. I'll just give you all your money back. And people are like, what? No way. That doesn't make any sense. People will, you, you know, you, you'll have a b- bunch of requests for refunds at the last minute. And I, th- I said, well, if I do, then I'm just not, not doing something right. And the only time people ever asked for their money back, which they did, was because they faced a crisis. And they would tell me and they would say, thank you so much. And then they would immediately say, well, can I apply it to next year? I'm like, no, that's not you know, going to work because you know, I'll just give you the money back. But I don't feel like so if you're going to put on a good conference, why not give people their money back? And besides, if you sell out, which this will, then you're not going to worry about it because you just go, okay, well, fine. That's just fill that in with somebody else. Yeah. So I don't know. I just, I just think there's this, all this stuff can be done better and it is being done better by folks like the Maxim Lawyer Group. They have their own conference, which I definitely re- recommend people check out. That one's in St. Louis, which is another great city. So there are people doing cool stuff and I think it'd be great if more of them do more cool stuff, but right. um, that's my, that's my theory on how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And you, you gain a, an enormous amount of goodwill too when you, you know, look at somebody who's in crisis and has a situation. I mean, you know, right. Right. You know, I mean, you know, we're here yeah, to help, it just makes sense. Tell me, uh, let's talk a little bit before we have to wrap up here. Let's talk a little bit about podcasting because yeah. you and I both love podcasting mm-hmm. and uh, I've been doing it for uh, a little over a year now and you've been doing it for how long? Uh, a little over a year. Yeah, yeah. So about the same amount yeah. of time. And what kinds of benefits has podcasting brought for you? Oh, my God. It's, you know, it's one of these things. And so one of the people that's coming to the boot camp is this friend of mine, Mike Kim, who's a personal brand uh, guy. And he has a, he had a podcast. And we were in a mastermind group one time. And he, he was like, look, Ernie, you know, you really should have a podcast. And I'm like, I'm already blogging. I have all this stuff. I mean, how much more is that going to benefit me? He said, 
I'm just telling you, you know, it creates an intimate con- conversation. It's just a whole different thing. And he said, it's really kind of easy to do once you set it up. And I had trouble figuring out, I mean, not trouble. I just, I just agonized. I was, I had perfectionism about it. Right. And then he introduced me to this fellow named Danny Osmond, who's now my producer, or was my producer. And Danny said, no, I'll just do it for you. Here's how much I charge. You know, it's X amount per month. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, and you do everything. And he goes, yeah, I take out all the ums and ahs, make you sound smarter, you know. <laughs> and I was like, great. Then all I have to do is blabber into a microphone and send you the file. He goes, yep, that's it. And I'm like, okay, I'll try this. And I, I wasn't sure it would pay off, but oh my God. I mean, the people who find me through the podcast and talk to me about what they've learned, they connect so much faster, which makes sense to me now that I realize it's true and I think about it. But at the time, for some reason, I had trouble <laughs> wrapping my right, head around it. Right, right, right. Well, there you go. There, and But you tried it. You didn't let that stop you. And that, for me, it was the same. I had... Uh, I had a business advisor for quite a while tell me, oh, you really should try podcasting. I'm like, really? Really? Do people, you know, are people really listening to a podcast? And then, of course, you know, being in the podcasting world now, there's so many uh, lawyers who are podcasting and right. and you're seeing a lot of law, you know, podcasts out there. And I listen to, you know, all of them. I listen to as many as I can possibly right. listen to. I mean, you know, there's not enough time in the day to read right. all the books I want to read and listen to all the podcasts I want to listen to. But um, and it's, it's been, you know, no matter how long you've been in the business, how long you've been an attorney, how long you've been, you know, marketing or whatever, you, you listen to other podcasts and you'll always learn something that you're like, Oh, I need to write that down. Mm-hmm. I need to make mm-hmm. a note of that. Or that was right. really cool. Or I hadn't thought of it that way. And right. so I, I really, enjoy, I really enjoyed it a lot. And of course, the conversations that you get to have with people is fun as a podcaster, mm-hmm. yep. you know, because then you get to have conversations with some really fun people. And totally. I finally get to put my journalism degree to use. And <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, has that been your experience? You're really getting yeah. to meet people. Does it expand your network? Yeah. Um, your networking? You know, people have reached out to me to try to be on the podcast. And if I had said yes more, then I would, have expanded my network, but um, I guess I haven't accepted those invitations as much, but I did have somebody who listened to my podcast and liked the email referral marketing thing. And she reached out and said, oh, I'm doing this and um, it's really beneficial. And I said, well, let's talk. And we talked on the phone and I said, oh, wait a second, you need to be a guest on the podcast. And mm-hmm. uh, her name is Erica Pero. I bet you she listens to this, to this podcast. And, um, and we just recorded, it's going to go live in a couple of you know, weeks. And that's an example of, yeah, I wouldn't have met her and, you know, allowed her to share her story, which I think helps other people learn. So I'm guess, I guess that's going to happen more often now. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it for a year, but that's, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think people at first, they don't know what it's all about and Mm -hmm. they hear a few and then they're like, I don't know. And then as time moves along, people start getting more excited about it and things like that. Uh, For me, it's been wonderful because I have so many social connections on mm-hmm. social media and one of the things that's you know that ha- where it has its limitation is when you've got thousands of people you're connected to how well do you get to know people right mm-hmm. you see right. you might uh, an algorithm select who's in your feed and that kind of thing right. and so what's been wonderful for me because i've connected to so many women law firm owners and women mm-hmm. attorneys is that, and you know, mine is wealthy woman lawyers. So I do focus on women, 
But what has been wonderful for me is to be able to really get to know those people and have an excuse or a reason to say, hey, let's have a conversation, you know? Right. And right. I think about for attorneys, how powerful that could be if they could find a subject, you know, that they could right. talk about it in a way that they could talk about it in a way that makes them feel comfortable, how powerful that could be for their business. Right. Well, you connected me up through your podcast. See, this is the thing about social media. If you start using it, you start to experience what happens. So you connected me back up with somebody that had clerked in, at federal court with me, Elise Bowie. You know, if you, she was oh, on yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. So Elise clerked, same building as me, for a different judge. And then, you know, I heard that she was on your podcast and that she had mentioned me. And so I listened. And I was like, oh, wow, I hadn't talked to, I haven't talked to Elise in a long time. Because yeah. I felt like I was having a conversation with her through you right. about what she was doing in her practice. Like, oh my God, that's so cool what Elise is doing. That's wonderful, you know. But I wouldn't have known that had it not been for your, for your podcast. And I got to hear it in the perfect way, which was a conversation. Right, right. Yeah. And she's just, uh, she's a wonderful podcast guest too, because she's just so um, delightful. She's so delightful mm -hmm. to begin with. And then also, she's a seeker, you know, she's always mm -hmm. seeking knowledge yep. and information. And it's fun to go on that journey with her and to talk about that, those types of things. If you are curious minded, as I know you are, and I am, right. it's really fun to have conversations with other people who are like that, because then you yeah. get to go on that journey with them and, and discuss things, you know, that are just, you know, rattling around in your head, these ideas that you have right. and stuff. So right. she was a great, she was a great guest. And she actually is the one who turned me on to your podcast as, too, oh, as well. Cool. So, <laughs> it goes around and around. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So I really appreciate you being here today. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about how we can find out more information about you and the upcoming conference yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm, I'm super easy to find. If you want to find out more about me, I just Google Ernie Attorney or Ernie yeah. Attorney. You'll find my main website and that'll get you started. And I have, you know, a great 10 page, um, compendium of my best tech tips. And if you get that, you know, you'll be on my email list and you'll hear about all the stuff I'm doing, but you can also go to the law firm autopilot website and that has the link to the bootcamp under live events menu option at the top there. And yeah, man, I would love to have anybody there who is, you know, interested in coming to New Orleans and hanging out with some fun folks. And, um, you know, there's early bird discount pricing and, Anything we can do to make it easier for you to come, just let mm -hmm. us know. We're here to help. Yeah, I'm excited. I might have possible. to go. I love New Orleans, so. <laughs> oh, please! No, you. Well, I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be so much fun. Yeah, I'll 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 send you a link and uh, and give you uh, some special bonuses and stuff to oh. entice you. Oh, terrific! Including terrific. Yeah, that's, that's what I need <laughs> is to be enticed. <laughs> uh, fabulous. Well, thank you so much for being here, and I really appreciate it, and I really enjoyed it today. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, it's been a great conversation. Here. Thank you so much. The Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast is sponsored by Wealthy Woman Lawyer LLC. We help women law firm owners build wealth-generating law firms without overwork and overwhelm so they can reclaim their time and create the lives of their dreams. If you are ready to create more of what you truly desire in your business and your life, then you'll want to sign up for our free training, How to Transform Your Solo Practice into a Seven-Figure Firm with Total Ease. Register at WealthyWomanLawyer.com webinar.